So we come back to Deuteronomy chapter 10. We were here this morning. We went all the way through all of chapter 11, finished Moses' sermon on the first commandment. And Lord willing, we'll start with Moses uh, explaining and applying the second commandment. Um, wanted to give our attention to a few things in, in this section that were uh, interesting to look at and consider, but we uh, wanted to mostly uh, look at the whole and the main points of what we read this, this morning. So I'd like to come back tonight and, and zoom in on something that is quite a lovely phrase, and uh, that's at the beginning of verse 21. Uh, tonight our text again is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 20 and 21. Again, our text this morning included it. Uh, from verse 12 of chapter 10 all through uh, chapter 11. Uh, but tonight, uh, just remember that context. I'm not going to repeat all the context. Don't worry. <laughs> it was a lot to get through together. But remember where it's coming from as we hone in on this verse and actually this phrase of verse 21. Hear now the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy 10 verses 20 and 21. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. Him shalt thou serve. And to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. He is thy praise. And he is thy God that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Now remember Moses is speaking to the second generation of the covenant people who had come out of Egypt uh, their parents, almost the entire first generation, died and were buried in the desert. Um, but they were there at Mount Sinai. They, they were there coming out of Egypt, going through the Red Sea. They were there at Mount Sinai getting God's laws. They saw all these things directly for themselves. And he's calling upon that and reminding them that the Lord is thy praise. And that's the phrase we look at this evening together. He is thy praise. Again, we covered a lot of verses this morning, concluding Moses' exposition and application sermon on the first commandment. That was Deuteronomy 10, 12 through 11, 32. But it went all the way back in terms of the whole sermon to Deuteronomy 6. Uh, verse 1. And uh, that whole section was on the first commandment, which is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And so the positive aspect of that is the great Shema in the beginning of this sermon from chapter 6 through the end of 11. Love the Lord thy God with everything in you. Love is brought up so much in the closing of the sermon today. Um, his heart, a circumcised heart, uh, love him, serve him wholeheartedly with all his commandments. That's, that's the context. But because there was so much detail, and most of it was in various ways repetition from what came before within that sermon or earlier in the historical prologue, or because a few of the things stated will come again in more detail and more focus later, uh, we mostly looked at, uh, though it was a lot to work with, we mostly looked at the main themes. Choose uh, to love and choose uh, to love and live in the Lord. Choose love and to live in the Lord. Uh, what I want to do tonight is dr drill down into one of the details. We couldn't do that this morning. And this is one of those phrases I would have liked to give attention to. I'd like to do, give our attention to it with you this evening. Chapter 10, verse 21, the first phrase, He is thy praise. He is thy praise. What a lovely thing to say. What a lovely thing to sing. 
John Calvin, uh, speaking on this verse, writes, God is called the praise of his people as being their honor and their ornament. And of course, children, ornament, honor is more of a sense of respect and honor. Uh, given to someone else duly can be, have a sense of being received within. Ornament is a sign of that or a decorating. Ornament's like a decoration. You know, sometimes um, I enjoy seeing. One thing I enjoy a lot about Mexico, well, uh, I'm not in Mexico, excuse me, but a lot of the Mexican culture I enjoy. There's a lot of places where lights are strung up all year long. You know, it's just really pretty at night where you might be having f food and fellowship. There's an ornamental aspect to that. And that's the way we are. We're to be that ornament, that shining light. But God is our praise. He is our own ornament in a sense. God is the cause, embodiment, and object of his people's praise. I give that to you as the main idea in its context. God is the cause, embodiment, and object of his people's praise. Uh, P.C. Craigie is quoting G.A. Smith, who uh, offered a little bit of a, considering what this means, he is thy praise, I'd like to share it with you. Uh, G.A. Smith writes of he is thy praise, it, ma it may either be that God is the object of Israel's praise, or that God's deeds for his people were the basis on which others praised Israel. Uh, you know, he says even in our text this morning, which is the context of this, he will put the dread of them in the lands, the people of the lands they're going to overtake. But it's because of what he is doing in them and through and with them. It's really a dread of the Lord, but it's a dread of them. So there's an aspect here. Uh, God is the recipient of the church's praise, but that includes uh, for his reputation through them and how it's, how it's respected by others, on, onlookers. John Gill writes this of the phrase, he is thy praise, the object and matter of it, who deserves the praises of all his creatures because of his perfections, works, and blessings of goodness. For all mercies, temporal and spiritual, come from him, and therefore he is greatly to be praised for them. Praise is his due, and it is comely in his people to give it to him. Matthew Henry writes about this. The more they were in number, the more praise and service God expected from them. Now, remember at this time uh, in our text this morning, it reminded them, what, 70 people? When Jacob came down, <laughs> you know, to Egypt and how, what God brings you out in the millions. Right. And he's replenished your numbers, even though most of the first generation died in the wilderness by the time they're back. And ready to go in at the end of the book of Numbers, and here we are in Deuteronomy now. God's replenished their numbers in the millions. Think about that. So, you know, one person can make some volume and activity, but two, three, four, and then you get a choir, and wow, it's amazing how you really start to get volume. And, you know, as the Lord builds and grows his church, it's natural that his praise, he as our praise would just, would just grow and become more robust and, and loud. And as the Lord may see fit to, to grow our church, wouldn't it be amazing if we had a, not just be in the front, but spread around the side and maybe down the sidewalk as we sing our little pieces of Psalms to invite the neighborhood to come worship with us, 
they'd hear us even more, you know, and they are increasing and God is due their praise to be the object and the, the topic of their singing and their thoughts. If you glory, glory in the Lord, Paul writes 1 Corinthians 1 31, 2 Corinthians 10 17. That's really, I think, a lot of the idea in its context. Remember how much God has been reminding them not to get arrogant and thinking it was their power or their righteousness that they're getting or staying in the land. It's only by his covenant mercy uh, that they are his people in the first place and that they remain his people and that they will enter the place. So uh, as these glorious things happen, the Lord is thy praise. You are not your praise you see you are not your praise the Lord is your praise remember after all this is our chief end and as we often quote the shorter catechism number one I'll give you the larger it adds a little bit to it man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and fully to enjoy him forever now, notice there's that sense of fully enjoying him, the highest end that we can enjoy, um, that the larger catechism draws out a little bit. Well, remember the motivation ultimately to choose to love the Lord, to choose to have the Lord's life and blessing, obey his commands, is that we would be blessed, that we'd have an abundant life, and that we would be satisfied, that it would be for our good. Uh, so it's good for us to do this, but it's ultimately what? To glorify him, to give him glory. Uh, we exist to praise him. Our purpose, beloved, is to praise him. Our purpose of being saved is to praise the Lord. Our purpose of being saved is not really so much to get a get a get out of hell free card, uh, not go to jail card. It's it's to have purpose in life, uh, to be made alive and worship and serve him. And so we see in Revelation, what are they doing? They're surrounding the throne and of the lamb and worshiping, worshiping and praising him. This is our purpose. And so Jeremiah 17, 14 says, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved for thou art my praise. He is thy praise is said to the church. And we can say as a church and individually to the Lord, thou art my praise sense of ownership and a sense of intimacy and it's the latter particularly I'm interested to consider together tonight though I think what I've already described to you is mainly the idea God is the object of our praise God is to be the object of our praise the purpose of all he's doing in and with us is to praise him before the world that others would be drawn in and live in the new heavens and earth praising him forever this is the purpose to give him all glory the emphasis in the context should be on he, I think is right to say, he is thy praise. You look at what comes in that verse, what comes before it in verse 20. And of course, in all the context you got uh, in a lot of context this morning, he is thy praise. If you're going to glory, glory in the Lord, praise the Lord before the people. He, he's the object, not you. But could it not also secondarily be is, could be the emphasis, he is thy praise. He is thy praise. He is thy praise. I'm suggesting maybe uh, not only the object, but maybe at least the participle of uh, he is 
praising within you. He is leading you in the praising. Um, after all, it comes from God's love living in us and our living out his love for him. He is thy praise. I, I think about it this way in a sense, and we'll get to a verse in Ephesians to consider this further. You know, his electing sovereign love in the text this morning, what we didn't give a lot of attention to is it said he's the God of gods. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Lord's over the heavens of heavens. He has everything. He owns it all. And yet he chose you, church. He chose you, individual church. He handpicked you for himself with a special propriety. It's almost like, you know, you go into this guitar store and you're walking around and you see all these amazing guitars. Pick whatever it is that would impress you. You know, for, for Abe and I, go get that instrument, take it off the, wow, you know. This is, this is the one. We spent a lot of attention when Abe was getting his first guitar, like a lot of attention. And this is the one. This is the one he chose to play and make music through. And that's what God has done with you. He's making his music through you. He's making you alive and singing his praises through you and not everyone else. I mean, I, I feel like this place is full because of you and God's presence, but you'll notice there's a whole bunch of people in Paradise Hills that didn't elect to come here tonight, <laughs> you know. But he chose you. He is thy praise. He's working in your praise. And I, I want us to think about that as well this evening. He chose us to be the instruments of his praise. And that's our purpose, to praise him, but he also inhabits it. He praises himself through us. He makes the music of praise and glory through us. While the above of what we've discussed is the focus, I think it can inspire considering some other scriptures. Psalm 9, verses 11 and 14. Sing praises to the Lord, which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. Now, that isn't exactly saying he's in the praise, but he dwells in Zion. Praise to the Lord. He dwells in Zion. That is a that's the idea of Jerusalem. That's the idea of the temple. That's the idea of his permanent presence within his people in the promised land. Temporally, of course, uh, what follows the moving tabernacle within the presence of his people. It's that's where the all of the worship is happening. God dwells in Zion. He doesn't dwell other places, not in this sense. Of course, he's everywhere, right? But in, in this special sense, he dwells in the praises of his people. He manifests himself. He lives in the living out of his praise. Uh, Psalm 65, verse 1. Praise waiteth for thee, O God, again, in Zion. And unto thee shall the vow be performed, that I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. Notice it's the salvific work. It's, it's the grace, all grace given to us, God's sovereign grace and election. But it's a cause for praise. It's salvation. It's the purpose of serving and singing to the Lord. It's the, notice the, the rejoicing over it all. Psalm 109 verse 1 says this, 
O God of my praise, sounds similar to Jeremiah 17, 4. Thou art my praise here. Psalm 109, 1, O God of my praise. Now, of course, it's the direction to the object, but certainly it's also the direction of what's coming from within, the devotion and its inner delight and outer expression as the Lord works within us and within us all. Remember, if the Lord isn't working within us, if the Spirit's not doing, uh, activating, stirring up, working this praise within us, if it, it wouldn't be happening at all. And we wouldn't be doing it, even if we are singing, we're not really, if it's not uh, out of true love for the Lord and His working by His Holy Spirit in us, having regenerated us and working within us and growing us by the Spirit. But here particularly, I draw again to your attention what you sang this evening, Psalm 22, verse 3. And this verse in particular, I'm enjoying thinking about with you in a topical sermon. I'm trying to be faithful to the context and the exegesis, but uh, thinking a little bit broadly beyond the text, I'm connecting Psalm 22, verse 3 with Deuteronomy 10, 21, the first part. He is thy praise. Psalm 22, 3, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. God inhabits the praise of his people. He inhabits the praise of his church. Now remember the context we saw in Psalm 22, a psalm that is very much prophesying about Jesus, the Messiah, uh, the end of it is about him having been resurrected and ascended and leading worship in the congregation from heaven, having applied his blood in the true holy of holies for his people. And it talks about him see, singing and leading the congregation. We know it's actually Jesus because the letter to the Hebrews says that, quoting the end of Psalm 22. The second of the three parts of Psalm 22, remember, sings so many prophecies about Christ, mostly his physical suffering. It speaks of the piercing of his hands and feet, his being thirsty, among many other things. And the first part where we find this verse 3 is in about his spiritual, his, his mental agony. His suffering of his soul for us on the cross. And the prophecy of that among, again, the last words of Christ on the cross, the first words of Psalm 22, O God, O God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, beloved, stop and, and think about that with verse 3. Christ is expressing on the cross the Father for the first time in his experience as a, as a human, because it never happened as God, but God forsakes him. He is utterly alone, suspended between heaven and earth, utterly alone. He is not experiencing God's presence, but rather his turning away his presence from him in the sense of fellowship, because that's what hell would be for you and me forever. But think about that. It's that that makes verse three to be true for the church then and now. What is it? God inhabits the praises of Israel. Here Jesus feels uninhabited in a sense, right? He's about to give up the ghost. But he's doing that so that it can always be said that God inhabits the praises of his church. God is always within his true church. He's always ministering praise uh, through the priests and kings of his holy, peculiar people. 
He's always there because of Jesus. And remember, what is Jesus' name? Yes, Jesus, he saves his people from their sins. But what's the other name? Emmanuel, because what? God is with us. He says to them, the kingdom has come. The kingdom is in your midst. That is, the kingdom has come in Christ in our midst and in the midst of our hearts. For we who he has conquered and we have submitted to him as our king. Remember, in our context here in Deuteronomy, God dwelt in the midst and the center of his people. Their tents in an orderly fashion surrounded his tent, the tabernacle. So he tabernacled with them. He tented with them in their midst, in the middle of them. And that was the place of worship. That was the place, remember, at the end of Exodus, after they built the tabernacle up, according to his commands, God's presence inhabited the place. It inhabited the place of their praise and worship. Just as it is said of Jesus Christ in John 1.14, he dwelt with us, literally in the Greek, he tabernacled or he tented with us. Remember that the scriptures in the New Testament teach you that you are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians three, six, second Corinthians six, 16. So as you gather to worship God, he dwells in your assembly in a special way. Including right now. I mean, it gets me kind of giddy. I'm trying to contain myself, if, if you don't mind. I'm feeling excited. This is amazing to be thinking about. He's the object of our praise. He is present in our praise. Your corporate worship is a symphony of song to the Lord. Your corporate worship is an orchestra of glory unto your God. For each of your hearts is the instrument of his praise. That's where it starts. It's why I think we can, he inhabits our praise. He inhabits his people who are the instruments of his praise. Ephesians 5.19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, this is a key verse uh, actually used against uh, acapella worship. Uh, and it's also used against uh, the idea of singing psalms exclusively. But actually, it's the very verse I love to go to to prove both things. First of all, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs are all specific references to the psalms of the Old Testament. The Psalter, the book of the songs the Holy Spirit wrote to worship him. And those are different titles of, the, of different parts of the Psalter. Uh, the other, th you know, we can't do anachronism and hear into that what, what Paul's not referencing at the time. Uh, but the other part, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, making melody, literally plucking the strings in the Greek of your heart. You are the guitar. <laughs> you know, you are the instrument of God's praise. But it's only really happening if his fingers upon you striking, striking and in a sense, uh, plucking, playing within you uh, as just as he touched you and made your heart alive for the first time. You are the instrument of his praise. He's your praise. He's working his praise within you. Uh, 
you know, uh, it was a blessing uh, after I was finished uh, polishing up the sermon this afternoon. Isaac wanted to show me he had his little Psalter and he wanted to, I say little, it's the small black ones. And, and he uh, wanted to borrow some memo stickies, cut them up and mark his favorite Psalms. He was real excited about it. Asked me to remind him how to sing Psalm 8. And I'm like, well, I want to sing too. And came down and sang Psalm 8 with him. And I said, Isaac, this is just really perfect setup, at least for dad, for the, the psalm tonight, the sermon tonight, because I just feel so happy and I, I sense God's pray, presence in our praise. And that's the truth. You sing the Lord, you praise him together, especially, and he's there with us. He's in the midst. He is our praise. He's the object, but he's present. He is the praise as well. See, beloved, God gives you something to sing about. God gives you someone to always sing about. Him. He fills your lungs and life and lips with singing. Singing Him. What does Jesus say? The, the law, the prophets, the Psalms, they're all about me. The scriptures are all about me. Though the rocks could praise Him, He praises Himself through you. Your whole life is a wholehearted anthem to his glory. And when you sing the Psalms wherever you are between this Lord's Day and the next, you will find familiar, festive fellowship with him with you there. I, I think I shared about it with you on a Wednesday night. Forgive me if it was a Lord's Day sermon, but, uh, you know, as we drive up on Mondays to Academy, Abraham, uh, Isaac, and uh, Gabriel, and I bring them to their different places for Academy, uh, and then we do the rest of the schooling throughout the week, uh, we, we try to be care make sure that we sing some psalms unto the Lord on the way. And uh, by the way, just for a fun aside, we were driving this week. We might have even been in the midst of that. And Abraham notices, hey, isn't that Mr. Malcolm? And sure enough, he was driving with a lift job. He was a few cars back, few lanes left, and it's crazy traffic. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm getting over it. <laughs> I think I probably have. I wasn't rude. I was a pretty good driver, but I'm not sure everybody appreciated it. I'm like, I got to say hi. And I'm like slowing down, trying to wait for him to catch up. And then when he's coming here, I get my hat. I put the window. Hey, Mr. Maxwell. We'd already left him a message. Hey, Mr. Maxwell, we see you. And then thankfully he did see us. And then another time and we praised the Lord. So that was happy alone. Uh, but it, uh, I think it was a week or so before as well. You know, we're, we're singing psalms together as part of our drive up. And uh, we were just singing one psalm after the next and just getting happy. The Lord's presence was with us. And uh, Isaac said, I, I think we're the happiest, happiest car on the road. And that's, that's what I'm getting at. He is thy praise. And he's thy praise wherever you praise him. He goes with you and he's working with you. The Holy Ghost of Christ is in you, working his praise, bubbling up living waters from you out of your mouth of praises. And it's glorious. It can't be contained. It can't be trapped. It can't, trapped. It can't be stopped. Uh, it is with you as an instrument of his praise. May the gracious glory of God gush out of your heart and spill off your tongue and teeth and lips. Now remember in our context, these people are called upon to remember his greatness 
in power to mightily deliver them again and again and again and again and again. That's often brought up in the text and in the broader sermon on the first commandment. It will keep coming up. It's the historical prologue. God continues to deliver them. And he chose them, not because of anything in them, in spite of that. And he continues to keep them and redeem them because of the mercy and mediation of Christ. Again and again. All, but, but he did these mighty deeds of delivering them out of Egypt, delivering them through the Red Sea. See, even these mighty and awesome acts, terrible acts of judgment, the earth was talked about today, swallowed up, right? Dathan and and, um, Abiram, I think it is. uh, And uh, just these amazing things of deliverance, because that's deliverance from those who would pollute and discipline teaches and sharpens and grows. These are amazing things. All these reasons are causes for praise, for the Lord to be the object of your praise, He says, they saw with their own eyes. You saw all these things, all these wonders with your own eyes. You should just be like, wow. And so his glory should gleam in their glistened pupils and stimulate their nerve endings and raise the hair on their forearms and the back of their necks at the exciting joy of serving, living and worshiping God. And the same should be for you. Dry bones. Right, Ezekiel? Can God raise these dry bones, the church, that seems dead? Yeah. He breathes new life into the dry bones, and they come alive, and they praise him. Thus may you have the words of your heart's cry be Psalm 147, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant, and praise is comely. Yes, because it's so good to give God the glory due his name, but also because he is working that praise within you by the Holy Spirit as the temple and instrument of his praise. You see, he's so close. And that is in the context assumed and understood with the tabernacle. He's so close with them. And so you're to be so close to him in the praising and singing. After all, any, any love story in a musical, right? Uh, they're going to break into a whole bunch of love songs, right? You know, <laughs> And it's that sense of coming together. And I don't want to get sappy about it, but that's that sense of he's so close to you. Be so close to him. And that's what's interesting about verse 20. Uh, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God. Him shalt thou serve, and to him shalt thou cleave. And swear by his name, he is thy praise. To him shalt thou cleave. It literally means something like cling fast. Uh, It was used elsewhere in our context today, 11 verse 22. It's used later in chapter 13 verse 4. And in chapter 30 verse 20, cling to him, cleave to him. He is thy praise, cling to him. But also in chapter 30 verse 20 of Deuteronomy, it says, cling to him, cleave to him. Also, he is thy life. You see, he is thy life working within you. He is thy praise working that life from within through you to give him glory to the world. 
P.C. Craigie explains in Job chapter, chapter 19, verse 20, the verb in the Hebrew, the same verb here for clinging or cleaving, uh, describes the clinging of human bones to skin. You know, you really can't hardly differentiate where it begins, right? And I mean, it's tight, it's close, it's so intimately twined. Cleave to him. He is thy praise. He's within you. Cleave to him from your heart. It's also a familiar phrase from Genesis 2, verse 24. Remember? Uh, the man and the wife are to cleave, right? They're to leave parents and cleave husband and wife one to another. And it has the idea of being glued together. It's tight. Beloved, love the Lord like that. Let his name, his attributes, his love pulsate in your heart and out of your mouths and hands as you continue to cling to him. For Jesus is your lyric and Jesus is your melody. Praise the Lord, beloved, for the Lord is thy praise. And that's the message for you this evening. The Lord is thy praise. Let us pray. O oh Lord God, you are our praise. You are my praise. Praise you, Lord, that you inhabit the praises of your people. May you indeed be the object of our praise, the cause of our praise, the movement of our praise, the embodiment, the empowerment of it. Oh, Lord, in every way, may you get all the glory and may we rejoice in your salvation and deliverance and your mighty works, your power to save us from the devil in this world, your power to save us from death in the grave and raise us up on the last great day as we in our new spiritual bodies will worship you around your throne and of the lamb waiting in the waters of life, the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, indeed, Holy Spirit, bubble up from within us more of the waters, the refreshing waters of thy praise. And indeed, give glory to yourself. May, may people find us singing your psalms around them and be intrigued and inquire. And let us take them to Christ in the psalms and let us take them to Christ in the church. And may you inhabit them savingly and as their praise. And Lord, we pray that you would inhabit our praise and indeed multiply it in this place gathered together and in this neighborhood as we sing especially outside before the services and oh lord give glory be our praise let it not be we who they see or hear may it be you that they see and hear and may you draw them in the spirit to yourself to give you praise and glorify and worship you our father in heaven meanwhile may we always remember the lord is thy praise, church. The Lord is thy praise. And may we praise you always. And we rejoice that we will praise you forever in the new heavens and earth. And we pray in Jesus' name and all your praising people said, Amen.